Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 97 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 27th of January 2013, entitled The Glorious Church of Jesus Christ, Part 29. And the Bible reading is taken from Mark, Chapter 16, Verses 15 and 16. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy word taken from Mark chapter 16, verse 15. The Lord Jesus Christ says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Father, we thank you this morning for this time that we can have together in your house. We thank you, Lord, for the one that we have been singing about, hopefully from our hearts this morning, Lord, for the way that you've loved us, for your compassion towards us. Father, we pray now that as we look into your word this morning that, Lord, by the power of your spirit that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, we know the enemy would distract us. He would take our minds and take them on other things, and he would, Lord, take us away from that which you have for us. And we also know, Lord, that, Lord, in the flesh, we have nothing to give today. Lord, what we pray for, not because of any special, uh, Lord, we know that our desires are great, but we know that we're so undeserving. And yet, Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts Grant to us, Lord, the power of your spirit here this morning. Help these words be alive in our hearts. Lord, help us to respond to that which you have for us in whatever way that we need. Lord, that I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Father, that they would know that this day. For any of your children that might be walking astray, that they would be drawn back into your loving arms. Father, that each and every one of us could leave here today more like our Savior than when we entered. We will give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory for it. For it's in Christ's name alone we pray. Amen and amen. As we continue this morning, we've been looking at the best part of the past year in our Sunday morning services on the glorious church of Jesus Christ. This glorious living body and to be a part of that body and all that that entails. And of course, we've looked at a number of things concerning that, but most recently we've been looking at the operation of that New Testament church. And as we've looked at the operation of the New Testament church, of course, we spoke first of all about the ministry of worship. And we looked and we could say many things there, but they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's not about how we feel. It's not about our emotions. It's not about what we like and what we don't like. It's all about him. And the only genuine worship is that which comes from our innermost being, from our heart. That's the only way we can respond to God, whether it's in salvation whether it's in service, whether it's in worshiping Him. And of course, as we continued on from that, we began secondly to look at the ministry of witness. The ministry of witness. As we're looking at all of these things, we, of course, recognize that as we begin to look at all of these things come together because God's Word never distracts from each other, It always builds upon itself. And with everything that we have studied about the church as believers, as a body, as a building of the holy temple, as the bride of Christ himself, the simple truth is is that in itself should show us the importance of witness. We said that As we looked at the Lord Jesus Christ, the scriptures leave us in absolutely no doubt whatsoever. That's why Jesus came to this earth. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. 
He came to minister unto, not to be ministered to himself. He came to minister to, to give his life, the Bible says, as a ransom for many. We find that we looked at a number of passages. That's why Jesus came. And when Jesus returned, we saw when we studied the Holy Spirit that is living and dwelling within each and every one of us as believers, if he's not there, you don't belong to him. If you belong to him, he is there. Why did he leave us the Holy Spirit? That the work of Jesus Christ could continue upon this earth. It's not just to make us feel good. It's not just so we can have a, a great time when we come together, though it's nice when we do. That's not why the Holy Spirit is here. He's here to carry on that work of Christ and live within us. And of course, then we saw that not only that, when Jesus went back and he, and he left the Spirit for us, that he promised to build his church. Too many churches, they're either just a, a wonderful social gathering or there's some religious stuff that's going on that, that somehow maybe ease people's conscience a bit or it's about some entertainment that we go to just like a, a, a West End show or a Broadway show so that, that somehow that we can be entertained and make it through the next week. But that's not what the church is about. Again, Jesus built his church just like he left the Spirit. We've already seen, folks, that the church is here to carry on the work of Jesus Christ. It is the body of Christ with him as the head. And we've looked at a couple of things already. We looked at the fact as we think of the ministry of worship, we saw, first of all, that it is crucial for the church. We look back and we saw where that first church, Jesus Christ built his church there on the day of Pentecost. Peter stood up and what did he do? He preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what happened? 2,000 souls, 3,000 souls were saved. Preached his second message, 5,000 souls were saved. We find that the Bible taught us very clearly there in verse 41 of Acts chapter 2, they that gladly received his word were baptized. And listen, the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. That's a pretty good start. <laughs> That's a pretty good start. What does the Bible go on to tell us? That he added daily what such as should be saved. That's why he brought people in. <laughs> Not so that, I mean, yes, he meets all kinds of needs in all kinds of ways, but he didn't bring them to the church for those reasons. He brought them so that they might be saved. We looked at a number of things. We looked secondly, not only was it crucial because, folks, that's how the church began. Everything that was, you can't be a part of the church without being saved. The church can't exist. It wouldn't have begun in the first place without the preaching of the gospel, without the witness of the gospel going forth. And it couldn't continue under any other thing. The church can do all kinds of wonderful and great and exciting things. The one thing it cannot exist without is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Without that gospel witness, it's impossible for another soul to be added to the church. We saw that it's not only crucial to the church, it's central to the church. We looked right through the, the book of Acts. I mean, there were lots of exciting things happening. They were preaching and they were getting thrown in jail for it. <laughs> they were preaching and they were being locked up and brought before the people and commanded not to do these things anymore. Matter of fact, we look at everything that they did. They were witnessing, 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 witnessing. You don't find them building great buildings. You don't find them building great organizations. You find them witnessing of the saving power of the Lord Jesus Christ that had died on the cross for them, that was raised the third day, that was central to everything that they did. And yes, it did cost them. They were thrown in jail. As a matter of fact, we saw where eventually they were literally scattered abroad everywhere. They were run out of the city and we're talking thousands of Christians because of their witness. 
But instead of getting all downbeaten and all hard, you know, here I am, I'm trying to do what's right and everything's going wrong. They're putting me in prison. They're running me out of town. What did the Bible say? They went everywhere preaching the truth, preaching the word everywhere. <laughs> Even when their homes had been taken, when they'd been run completely out of town, it was still the central thing was the ministry of witness, of witnessing the Lord Jesus Christ. We looked thirdly last week. Not only is it crucial, not only is it central to the church in everything that it does, but thirdly, it is commanded. It's not an option. It's not something that we ought to do. It's not something that's part of what we ought to do. It is what we are to do. It is what he left us here when he said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He's commanded. He said, If you love me, keep my commandments. It is easy, and folks, it is cheap to say, Oh, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I love him so much. I love all that he's done for me. It's easy to talk the talk but it's harder to walk the walk. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do what I've said. Live your life as I've laid it out, not the way you want to. I know the enemy's there. I know he's very good at what he does. You better keep something in mind. He is out for one purpose for your life, and that is to completely, utterly destroy you. That's his purpose. You know, if he can destroy you for eternity, that's his, that's his first choice. If he can blind you, if he can make you dumb to what the Lord's saying, if he can keep you away from the Lord, he'll do everything that he can to do it. But just because he loses you and you get saved, he's not going to give up on you. Oh, if you want to sit back and do absolutely nothing for God, you might be able to just kind of coast through and live one of those miserable, meaningless Christian lives. <laughs> but if you're doing something for the Lord, he's going to fight. But I'll tell you something. He wants to destroy your witness. Why? That's why you're here. You're not here for all the things that you can enjoy in the flesh and all the places you can go and all the things you can do and all the things you can accomplish. They get so much of our life. That's not why Jesus came. That's not why he sent his spirit to dwell within you. That's not why he established his church on this earth. You were here. That people's lives could be changed for eternity. That the witness of the Lord Jesus Christ might take place through your life. And he commanded it. But we want to move on today. You see, you can, you can obey or disobey, we said. There, there's no other option. But you know what? Fourthly, the ministry of witness. It's crucial for the church. It's central to the church. It's commanded of the church. And it's the compassion by the church. It is compassion. Compassion. What do you mean? Verse 16 of our reading says this very simply, folks. We're to go. We're to witness. Why? Because he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Now, you know, the writer here is not uh, deciding to, uh, to curse and use some foul language. <laughs> they that believeth not shall be damned. The same word that's translated condemned. There's no hope for them. You see, we've got to ask ourselves a question. And only you can answer it. You see, your family, your friends, the people you work beside of, the people you live on the street with. Matter of fact, every human being that you ever lay eyes on for the rest of your life, they will either believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved or they'll not believe and be damned 
You see, the question is, does that matter to you at all? Is there even one human being that you would sacrifice to an eternity in hell just for your own pleasure, just for your own ease, just for your own comfort, because something might be a little bit hard? Does it matter? Do we care? Nobody is left out. Every human being falls into one of these two categories. I read a message by Dr. E. Myers Harrison. He preached a message. It was a missionary message, just a small group of people. He's now gone on to be with the Lord, but he was just considered to be a great servant, somebody that really just served the Lord, had a heart for missions, he used three points in his message. The first one was that when he's speaking about witness, we said that missions is not divided in what's done over there and what's done here. It's every human being. He said, first of all, there is the command from above, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Have we heard that command? That was Jesus' command. The one that said, if you love me, if you love me. Do as I commanded. Do as I've asked you. Do that which I've put before you. We find that he went on to say, not only is there the command from above, but we have the cry from beneath. And I know, you know, I, <laughs> we can't even begin to understand heaven or hell. We have little tidbits in, in, to, in the Bible to give us an idea. We've never experienced a place where there was absolutely no impact, no curse of sin whatsoever, where no sin existed as in heaven. And we've never experienced, thank God, a place where all the sin, all the horrible stuff, the most hideous, horrible thing that you've ever seen or heard about or imagined in your life, it's all there in that one place. We can't begin to comprehend either. It's one or the other. <laughs> he said, have you heard the command from above? Have you heard the cry from beneath? In Luke chapter 16, the rich man spoke these words. He said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. The one thing that was on this guy's mind, once he ended up in an eternity, and he wasn't ready to face God, was, please, please, <laughs> Somebody witness to my brothers. Somebody witness to them. You know, you think he might be, you know, concerned about just himself. He's concerned about being a witness to those that he cared about. That's important. The command from above, the cry from beneath. And the third, he said, was the call from without. Acts 69 says, come over into Macedonia and help us. You know, we get focused sometimes on all the rejection, on all the, the people that, that don't want to hear it. But there are those around us that are saying, please, share with me the truth. I want to know the truth. Give me the truth. We find that so much money, folks, listen to me, money, time, energy, so much of it is just spent on routine church business when there's a whole world to reach for Christ. How can we allow ourselves to be so sidetracked, our lives to be so sidetracked? How can we look at the people and face the people that we see day by day by day and know, believe, and be saved. No belief and be damned. How can we look at that and, and not care? 
You see, I, I just want to remind you of something this morning. Keep in mind, in everything that we have looked at, in everything that we have seen, the emphasis upon you as a Christian and upon the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is Christ, it is Him, it is His work. That's the focus, that's what's important. That's what we're so easily sidetracked from. Notice if we look back into the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, you find an account here of two blind men. And we find that as Jesus is there with these blind men, notice picking up in verse 35, it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, when he saw the people, I'm asking you, you see people every day of your life. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, O oh, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Jesus, when he saw the people, please notice, he had compassion. We, we, we like to get our feelings and our emotions. Sometimes we feel up and excited and happy, and sometimes we feel down and discouraged and terrible. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about when Jesus saw people, whether he was up or down or wherever, he had compassion upon them. He felt for them because they were like, Sheep without a shepherd. A sheep without a shepherd is in a dangerous situation. It just wander off, doesn't recognize the danger, has no protection whatsoever. Jesus had compassion upon them. Remember that word. Then look over just a couple of chapters in, in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, we find these words. He says to us in verses 13 and 14, when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. He's been ministering. He's heading out now to the desert, and these people are all following. And Jesus went forth and again, he saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. When Jesus saw the people, he was moved with compassion. Now, if you turn over just a bit into Matthew chapter 20, we find another two blind men here. In Matthew chapter 20, notice just picking up in verse 32. He says, And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. Now, Jesus is going to heal their blindness. But what did that action come from? So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. You see, Jesus saw the people. He had compassion. 
these blind men that, that, that are needing their eyes open, when Jesus saw them, the Bible says he had compassion on them. Let us over in the gospel of Mark chapter 1. In Mark chapter 1, notice verses 40 and 41. Here is speaking of a leper, and there came a leper to him, beseeching him, kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. If you will, I know you can make me clean. And Jesus, what are those next words? Moved with compassion. Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. Jesus acted out of compassion. You see, I'm going to say this, folks. We can talk about caring all we want. But if we care, if we really have compassion, it will bring action. In the Gospel of Mark chapter 5, again, it's quite a, a, a long story here talking about the, uh, the, the maniac of, of, of Gadara there. But notice what it says in Mark chapter 5 and verse 19 when it says, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. When Jesus drove the demons out of him, go and tell your friends what I've done. Tell them what came out of my heart. Tell them that I had compassion upon you. I want to give you one final passage, great illustration, still in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. This is where a, another possessed individual, it was a possessed son that was brought to Jesus by his father. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, notice what it says in verse 22. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. All things are possible to him that believeth. You see, what I want you to see, for these are just examples. They're examples of what the Lord Jesus Christ, what he felt towards the people that he came in contact with whether it was individuals with problems or groups of people or great multitudes of people, we see in these illustrations that he had compassion upon them and that it was out of his compassion that action came forth. I say to you very clearly, please listen, if we have the compassion of Christ in our hearts and in our church, how can we do less? If it's truly Christ that's living in us, how can we do less? How can we act differently than he did? You see, Jesus told a story about this compassion. A familiar story that you find in your Bibles in the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. And he says there beginning in verse 30, And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of the raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. The other two didn't have that. They had all the religious stuff. They were great leaders in the church. 
They were the people that were very learned in the things of God. But when they saw this one that was hurting, they passed by on the other side. Why? Because they might have had their religious heads high, but they did not care. They didn't care. There was no compassion there. They had all the facts. They had it all laid out. But this Samaritan, the one that should have cared the least, he had the most reason not to care. They weren't even supposed to like each other. But when he saw him, he had compassion. He had compassion on him. The others just went by. They didn't get involved. Verse 34 says, It went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him. Whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. You know, this guy actually cared. He had compassion on him. And whether it was his actions, what he was doing, his time, his personal possessions of letting him use his own beast, of taking him where he needed to go, and even after that, when he had to go on his way, he just reached right into his own finances. Whatever it cost, here, this take care of him. If it takes more, just let me know when I come back. Because he cared. Because he had compassion. Folks, it may sound strong, but I'm saying this. A church without compassion is no church at all. It is not the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It can't possibly be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. They may call themselves a church. They may act like a church. They may do all the churchy things, but it is not the glorious church of the Lord Jesus Christ if they don't have the compassion of Christ upon the individuals, upon the groups, upon the multitudes of the people around us that are lost and going to hell if they don't believe. They will be damned. Pure and simple. Does it matter? Jesus cared. We are his church, his body. What does he say there in verse 36? Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. <laughs> That's the way you're supposed to be acting. Go and do the same thing. Folks, it's interesting. This word compassion, preacher, what's it all about? Well, the most common word used in your Bible that's used in the, in the New Testament to refer to God's compassion, it's a word about that long. <laughs> it's got all kinds of letters in it. But it's used something like a dozen times. It's a word that's used right here in talking about this good Samaritan. Every other time that it's used, it's referring to the compassion of God. Every place that it's used in the Bible, it's referring to God's compassion, and here it's referring to us having that same compassion, that same thing that God has. What does it mean? Well, a lot of people thought that, you know, rather than totally believing in inspiration, that somehow these writers got it wrong. This just wasn't the right word to use. This wasn't the best way to translate it. Why? Well, it's really that which uh, refers to the inner parts of a person. It talks about all that which is in, you know, the heart, the liver, and so on. It talks about the innards of a sacrificial animal. It became most commonly used to speak of the lower parts of the abdomen within, the intestines, 
the womb where the baby is carried. Now, some say that that's just too rough. I mean, you're talking about God, and you're talking about intestines and wounds and things like that. You know, it's kind of like sometimes when we talk about somebody having a lot of guts. <laughs> well, that's not a nice way to put it. We're talking about them being brave, <laughs> having a lot of guts. I think God knew exactly what he was doing when he inspired this word to be used. I think he was specifically trying to impress just how powerful this force was, this feeling that was in him. It's not just some little movement of our emotions. In other words, folks, you've heard me say this before. The compassion that Jesus had, the compassion that you and I are told to have to do the same thing is a deep down inward hurt right down in your gut. It's not something you work up. It's something, it's a pain within because why? Because you care so much. Do we understand Jesus cared so much? He cared so much for you as an individual with every sin that you've ever committed, with every time that you've ever let him down, with everything that you've ever done. He loved you so much. He had compassion on you. But he was willing to be nailed to that cross. He was willing to be humiliated before the world. Why? Because he cared. And I'm saying, folks, we've lost it in the church today. We've lost it in our Christian lives. We've lost it in our churches because of all these things that have become so important to us. We miss the most important ingredient. Do we really care whether the souls around us even have the opportunity to be saved because of what they're hearing from me, what they're seeing in me? Is what I'm doing, is what I'm saying, is the way I'm acting, is the way I'm living my life, is it worth somebody spending it? You know, maybe I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. Well, are you saying you'd rather live that lifestyle and let the people around you spend an eternity in hell because you couldn't care less? You're safe. You got it worked out for yourself. I'm saying for many of them, you might be the only Christ they ever see. And what are they seeing? The ministry of the church, the ministry of witness. There's nothing more important. You see, the level of genuine compassion in our hearts. The level of genuine compassion in our church will be evidenced not by just what we say, but what we do because we care. How much that we care. I'm going to leave you with these simple thoughts this morning. If you're here, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I want you to realize, I want you to understand. Jesus loved you so much. Jesus had so much compassion. Jesus actually hurt down in his innermost being because of your sin. Because of where that sin would take you. God doesn't want that for you. Jesus Christ didn't want that for you. He hurt because of it. And he did everything that was necessary because he cared for you. That's why he let them nail him to that cross. That's a historical fact. That's why he allowed himself to be humiliated before all of them. Historical fact. There's another historical fact that Many don't like to recognize, though. That's why that the grave couldn't hold him. Three days he was out of that tomb. Why? Because he'd paid for all the sins that brings death. He overcame it. And you see, 
That's the only way you can overcome it. He did it for you. He cared. And it's because he cared that when he left to go back, that he left his Holy Spirit here, that even right now, do you realize that in your own mind, in all of your intellect, in everything that you are, you won't care. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, that first message of the church, they were pricked in their hearts. That was the Holy Spirit. When Stephen stood, when they were about to put him to death, they were pricked in their hearts. Jesus Christ cared so much that he left his Holy Spirit to be able to speak to you that which no human being ever could. No preacher could ever preach it. Nobody could ever do it except him because he speaks to that place that man can't get to. And do you realize, folks, if you're not saved, today you have two choices and two choices only. You will either believe and accept what he did for you and act upon that, which the action upon that is to humble yourself and say, yes, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that. But, Lord, I want forgiveness because of what Jesus did for me, trusting in him. I want to turn away from this life of sin, and I want to follow Jesus Christ. I know it may not make me the most popular person in town. I know that there might be some prices to pay. While that first church, we go right through there, and they didn't seem to have many easy days. It all seemed to be going against them. But they continued to witness for Christ. Christian, where are you today? Where are you? Did God's great mercy, God's great compassion, when he showed it towards you, your sins were forgiven? Do you realize you are God's instrument? If you belong to him, he lives within you. He's everywhere with you. That, that, that should encourage us. We can't go anywhere without him. Ought to challenge us too. Sometimes we want to take him places that he don't want to go. But he's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He wants to lift you. He cares. He still hurts for you. He cares for you. Church, I'm just saying to the pastor, we may never be the most popular church in town. I'm not trying to be unpopular. We may not do everything like some of the others do it. But as we've seen so far, what, whatever we do, let's, let's be biblical about it. Let's don't just do it because it's what we think, what we feel. Whatever else we may lose, God help us not to lose our compassion. We can talk about being a church and caring all we want but what things do we really care about? Where are we really spending our time? What are we really doing with the life that he has blessed us with? Where are you today? You see, I can't make your choices for you. Don't worry, there's plenty of work needs to be done on this preacher. There is no doubt about it. I'm preaching to me as much as anybody here this morning. But only you can decide for you where you are what you need, what choices that you'll make. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a church that the ministry of witness is what will show that it really cares. We can feed them, we can clothe them, we can do all these things that are important, but without the ministry of witness, without the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, None of the rest of it's going to go anywhere in eternity. They might be part of it. But today, oh, God loved you so much. You're so important to him. But where's your life with him? Are you letting the devil defeat you, destroy you? Take away all your joy and peace? You see, the funny thing is, those Christians, <laughs> when it didn't look like anything else could go wrong for them, when everything they had was taken from them because of their witness. 
They just kept on witnessing. They just kept on witnessing because they cared. Father, today we thank you for our time. We thank you for your word. And, Lord, there's just so much that we can't even begin to scrape the surface. And, Lord, I know that even in looking at this simple thought this morning and considering the church and the operation of the church and the, the ministry of witnessing, we cannot. It's impossible to overstate its importance. But, Lord, you know who would be here this morning. You know the hearts of each one. I want to just pray especially at this point in time, Lord, that you would speak to the hearts of every individual that which they need to hear. But, Lord, I pray that you'd help us, help us, Lord, not to allow it just to fall upon deaf ears. Help us to hear you. Help us to respond. Help us to show you in return, Lord, that we truly care, that we truly love you. And, Father, as we come to the close of this service, some here today will make choices, choices that will determine not only where their life goes today, but tomorrow and next week and next month and next year. Oh, help us not to be sidetracked. Help us not to be, Lord, deceived by the great deceiver himself. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just a simple question this morning. Nobody looking around. Nobody's to be embarrassed. I'm asking this question because I promise you something this morning. I care. And I want to pray for you. But most of all, Jesus cares. And you see, the Lord, before you can get honest with anybody else, you've got to be honest with yourself. He already knows your heart. Whatever you say, he already knows the truth. But will you be honest with yourself this morning? I'm not going to twist your arm or I'm not going to try to persuade you, but, boy, I sure would like to pray for you this morning. If you're here this morning, and if not what this preacher said, but God, through his word, through his Holy Spirit, if he's touched your heart and you're here this morning, and first of all, you don't know for sure that you yourself are saved. You see, that's why we're to go to every individual to preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth shall be saved. This morning, if you're here and you don't know for sure that you've taken that step of salvation with nobody looking around, would you simply raise your hand up and say, I'm going to be honest with myself before the Lord. Would you pray for me, preacher? Because I don't know that, but I would appreciate your prayers. I care enough about my soul and my destiny but I'll at least accept you praying for me. Will you slip your hand up this morning? Anyone, anywhere, not to embarrass you. I just want you to get honest with yourself. I want you to get honest before God. I want you to care enough to say, well, at least I'll accept the prayers. Anyone? You don't know that you're saved, but you'll at least say, preacher, pray for me. Pray for me in my condition. Maybe you're here this morning and You've been saved, but you know you're not walking where you need to. And you say, the Lord's spoken to me, but, you know, that's not going to matter if I leave here today in the same condition. I don't, sometimes it's hard to make those steps, those choices, but maybe you just need to slip your hand up. Get honest with yourself and say, I'm not where I need to be, but I would appreciate your prayers. Would you pray for me? God bless these hands. God sees your hands. Most of all, God sees your heart. <laughs> you see, until you care. You can kid yourself. You can deceive yourself all you want until you care enough about him and the life that he's purposed you with. It won't matter. You'll just go to please self. But if you're here today, maybe you don't want to tell me specifically why, but you just say, preacher, God showed me something. Maybe it's just to be a greater witness. Maybe it's something specific in my life. But I'm dealing with something, and I need to deal with it between me and him. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up? God sees your hearts. God sees your hands. Father, only you can speak the words that really matter. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit. And, Lord, I thank you for this church, not because of who this pastor is, not because of the individuals that are here as much as I love them, but because it's your church. Lord, help us to be the church you would have us to be. 
Lord, we desire to reach as many people as possible. We desire to, to be the great strength and encouragement to the Christians. But, Lord, most of all, we just want your work to be accomplished. Now, you've seen every hand that's raised here this morning. And, Lord, I've promised, and I'm not going to try to embarrass any of these. There are those here this morning that need to be saved. They've never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we've seen this morning the only option to that means being damned for eternity. That's not what you want for them. There's only one that wants that. That's Satan. And he's the one that's trying to deceive them here today to do absolutely nothing. You've seen the hands of these Christians that are not walking where they need to. And, Lord, I know that you're waiting with outstretched arms just as when the prodigal son returned while you went running. Father, I pray this morning that you'd help them, Lord, as they see you there before them with outstretched arms, with all the love and compassion in the world. Help them not to resent that. Help them not to repel that. Help them, Lord, to respond to it and to receive it. And, Father, for these that, Lord, are dealing with different things, whatever it is in their life, you know what it is. But, Lord, even as we read there earlier, Lord, with you all things are possible. I pray that you just work in each life. And, Lord, I don't know how to put it more simple. I've prayed it so many times, but I pray it would never become mere words. I pray that in some way, Lord, that as we leave this place today, that we could live more like Jesus, more like our Savior, thinking like him, feeling like him, acting like him. And we give you all the praise for it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.